This is Series D, where we find the greatest entrepreneurs and investors in the world and force them to have tea live on air. I'm Imad Akhun, founder and CEO of Mercury, and today we're having tea with Chris Lyons, who leads the Cultural Leadership Fund at Andreessen Horowitz. Chris previously served as Chief of Staff at Andreessen Horowitz and worked with Jermaine Dupree as a music producer and engineer. Chris, thanks for having tea with us. Hey, cheers. My pleasure. You've had kind of like an interesting trip eventually getting into being an investor. Give us a quick snapshot on like how you got here. You know, I was a founder of a company in the restaurant technology space called Picture Menu uh, that flew me out to Silicon Valley. I was only supposed to be there for you know, three months, ended up never going home from, from right outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and, um, you know, shortly after you know, I got connected with, um, you know, Ben Horowitz and Andreessen Horowitz and uh, they gave me a heads up uh, for a chief of staff position. And, you know, I was like 25 at the time and, and it was a challenging process, but ultimately we were able to pull through. And uh, that really kind of helped jumpstart and change, uh, you know, the future of my career uh, to where now, you know, ended up working under Ben as his chief of staff, but also learning a lot of different industries and, and sectors that has gotten me uh, to the point today where I've taken you know, all of my background information uh, from, you know, the music industry to the startup world and now within venture capital uh, to get us to the point now of launching the Cultural Leadership Fund, uh, where we initially raised our initial fund in 2018, really just thinking about ways in which we can really kind of connect the dots between not just the world's greatest cultural leaders and, and bringing them in, in touch with the best new technology companies, but more so being a, a, a voice within a growing community uh, within the startup ecosystem and figuring out how uh, we can also kind of enable more African-American and diverse backgrounds to also not one foot in the door, but, you know, two feet in and, and really be uh, a part of this, the growing change that, that I was fortunate enough to get into. I want to dive into like one aspect of that. You said, yeah, there's kind of cultural uh, leaders and then there's technology leaders. Like, I guess, like, what do you think technology gets out of having kind of these cultural leaders involved more? Uh, and what do you think the kind of the cultural side gets out of it by being involved more in kind of tech and Silicon Valley? Yeah, yeah. So actually, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. So I see it as a couple different perspectives. So um, the thing that I always look for is like, this, this idea in which I called shared genius. And so, you know, obviously like you're a genius in your own aspect, especially if you were to come up with an idea that nobody else would have been able to come up with. And so, and now, you know, really helping getting it to market and leveraging technology. At the same time, um, you know, we believe that outside of technology, there's also uh, what, we, what we would consider geniuses uh, and how can we kind of, you know, whether it's in the, the world of sports, whether it's in the world of music, entertainment, uh, fashion, um, you know, these are some of the, they're, they're the world's greatest leaders for a reason. And they have insights and expertise that really put, have, have put them apart and allowed them to be revolutionary in, in their field. And, you know, thinking about like, hey, what if we could take some of that shared genius and apply it to, um, you know, uh, the future of technology and vice versa? Uh, how can technology help impact, uh, you know, uh, some of the greatest leaders as they're really thinking through uh, going in and in, in taking over their industry or, you know, actually amplifying, uh, you know, th their ideas around innovation. And so, you know, taking, taking that into, into perspective really, um, 
you know, allowed us to come up with something unique uh, with the Cultural Leadership Fund where, you know, for the first time in, in the history of Silicon Valley, uh, we were able to bring a fund exclusively of the world's greatest athletes, entertainers, musicians, uh, and senior level executives that also happen to all be African-American. And so, um, and then make sure that they, as, as limited partners, um, you know, had access not only to uh, provide more African-Americans onto the cap tables of some of the world's best technology companies at early stages, but also, you know, really help implement and work together um, from, you know, a, an idea creation uh, as, as people are really starting to think about, okay, if, if technology and culture are moving more and more closely together, then I think that uh, having that shared genius to, to not only be involved on uh, on an investment side, but also behind the scenes as we're thinking through the future of the company as well. Why do you think it's important to kind of attack this? You know, there's this like systemic problem where like African-Americans are not involved enough in tech, whether it's like as like engineers or like founders or VCs. Or why did you think that like coming at it from the cap table perspective, like why do you think that was like a good kind of place to innovate? Well, I mean, the first piece was just that, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in the room when those decisions are being made and also being on the cap table, you know, within the cultural leadership fund and seeing the behind the scenes of where the equity is going. And, you know, if you think that the future of uh, the future of wealth is going to happen within the technology industry, then, you know, African-Americans and people of color need to also have a seat at that table. So I think that there's one being very intentional about making sure that we can increase the, uh, the, the level of inclusion that's going into helping and fund the next generation businesses. The second piece is really when you think about just African-American culture, I mean, our culture has really helped uh, redefine so many different industries. So from rock and roll to jazz to hip hop to what what's now happening in in fashion with you know someone like Virgil or you know what Serena did in tennis and like you know Tiger Woods in golf we really helped pioneer culture technology is the next frontier and we need to make sure that we're also uh, preparing our leaders within, you know, across all different sectors and all different industries to also have access and, and opportunity, advisory uh, opportunities, partnership areas to, to integrate with, with some of the, the work that they're doing. Um, and then, you know, really trying to find a, a unique path to really kind of change uh, the future of, of technology, but do it in a way that is authentic to our culture and also allows us to, to really kind of have a, a first a first in class and front row seat as we're trying to, to really help make a difference here. I think you also mentioned like you wanted to change like what is a status symbol. Yeah, that's like relatively new where like sort of not just African-American celebrities, but all celebrities are getting like more involved with startups. And that's, uh, yeah, I guess we're like devaluing it a little bit by calling it yeah. a status thing. But like, that's like, a, it's almost like a branding change, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I think, I think that there's, we're going into a, I, I would call it really just a consciousness shift where, um, you know, before, you know, it, endorsements were huge. I mean, uh, the ability to get paid to uh, promote a product was something that everybody knew and understood. And it was a, a huge business and people, um, you know, you know, wanted to say, hey, look, this is my, you know, Thai iced tea. 
right? And you get paid to endorse the product and it's a win-win. Uh, but I think what was what's, what we've seen is a, is a dramatic shift where people understand their worth and they also know that they can do it themselves. And I think that, you know, the middleman uh, is now being disseminated and allowing for direct conversations and direct partnership opportunities where uh, you went from getting paid $100,000 to, you know, having an example kind of uh, what um, Dr. Dre did with Beats, creating an entire entity and having equity into the company and how like LeBron, rather than getting a deal where you were going to be a promotional, um, you know, partner, uh, you know, he said, well, I'd rather have equity into the business. And then, then once it gets acquired by Apple, like, that's a completely different multiple from an opportunity perspective. And so what and ownership is where the, is really where the game is at kind of, which, which is kind of goes to our similar point when we were talking about why equity is so important. And I think that it's such a great opportunity within our culture because uh, the word is out and everybody knows, and, and it's not even just within technology, it's across so many different sectors and people are starting their own businesses and running their own production companies and really starting to know the ins and outs and, and, and covering across all bases to, to become successful in their industry. Uh, so to me, it, it's something that I see as a progressive movement that's not going to go away. And, you know, as this continues to evolve, you know, more and more entrepreneurs are going to be built uh, because of just this idea and this mind shift of going into an equity first business uh, proposal, as opposed to, you know, I want to get paid, uh, and then be happy, even in the music industry. You know, um, one of our LPs and, and, and a good friend, Steve Stout, like he's created United Masters so that, you know, anybody can distribute and own 100% of their, their own, you know, recordings and own their own masters as opposed to being in a record label where you might get an upfront check, but now, you know, the real residuals come in the back end and now you don't have access to that because you signed away your rights. But with that, you know, there's a lot of education that needs to be contributed in order to understand the world of, of venture capital and the world of startup investing. And, uh, and so for us, you know, especially within the Cultural Leadership Fund, you know, we want to make sure we provide access to information. We help work with the, ta with the talent um, and anybody that's interested in getting into venture capital and providing them with the meaningful information uh, and the meaningful resources so that they can uh, ultimately become their own experts and, and go out and do it themselves. How do you think uh, celebrity investors kind of think differently from kind of more kind of normal VC investors? To me, I don't necessarily consider them as celebrity investors. I just think that they have a uh, strategic advantage um, that differentiates themselves from a institutional investor, right? So uh, it could be the network that they're associated with. It could be their ability to, you know, help behind the scenes and, and think about product. If you're, you know, uh, working on a banking platform and you're going to want to understand how could somebody purchase tickets to your concert, you know, in the same way as like, you know, a traditional venture capital firm has their resources, whether it's like a market development team or whether it's a corporate development team or a technical talent team, you name it. You know, I think that the, the thing that people always will start off with is, hey, like come tweet about my picture, about my product or, you know, can you do this Instagram post to me for, for my company? And, you know, I think that, you know, those are definitely opportunities that uh, are accessible and can work. But at the end of the day, I think that that, that, that talent uh, 
um, when you really can understand who they are and kind of remove the follower account and people who are following them or whatever and really understand who they are as entrepreneurs, which is the most important thing, um, then you really get a chance to really dissect uh, the ways in which that we can all work together uh, in an industry because at the end of the day, um, everybody's focused on one thing and that's innovation. Uh, and through innovation, you have the opportunity to become uh, the, the, the top player in your field. You know, my suggestion is always never think about um, talent first or, you know, trying to get, trying to get visibility or, you know, have somebody on the cap table just because it help it might help with your press release. Like, at the end of the day, think about how your product is really going to help change the world and help uh, disrupt an industry that, that you're specifically focused on. And then through that, um, the appropriate people are going to uh, get wind of it and want to continue to support and back your mission. I think actually a lot of these cultural leaders ask like really good questions around ethics that like sometimes are lacking with Silicon Valley. Ultimately, when you are going to be associated with the company or going to want to collaborate with somebody, you're going to want to check and see like who is this person that, uh, that I'm going to potentially put my name behind and put my capital uh, to help support their initiatives. And so if you're doing something or building a company that's not ethical or uh, it doesn't kind of feel on the right side of where the world should be going. That makes it a lot harder for people to want to support you. And I think that that's and not necessarily, you know, people can build whatever type of businesses they want. But, you know, for us, uh, specifically with the Cultural Leadership Fund, like, you know, we think that that technology is going to really help impact the world. Um, and we want to do our part in order to help communicate how uh, we can bridge those gaps together. We've talked about cap table quite a bit. Like, what other things do you think entrepreneurs should be doing to increase diversity and have like a more diverse outlook in general? Like, what are concrete things that you know they should be thinking about more? I mean, look, I think that one of the easiest things you can do is go outside of your circles. Um, you know, the world is big. I mean, I came from you know right outside of Atlanta. I went to school at Georgia State University, where like you know to me there was no diversity issues. Like I saw every single race, tons of different people, uh, and so you know the world is extremely colorful. And it, I think it actually just you know knowing that uh, you know that having that opportunity as you start your company maybe to um, you know, evaluate the criteria of where you're trying to hire, what you're looking for, or, you know, looking at, in, at different school systems outside of the traditional, you know, whether it's the Ivy League schools or the places that people are, you know, accustomed to knowing, okay, yeah, that, of course, there's great talent at Stanford and Harvard and Yale and MIT and all these schools, like, yeah, it's great. At the same time, the, the HBCU ecosystems uh, have some of the world's best talent and, and some of the smartest people I've ever met uh, that are running incredible companies right now and really helping change the world and have it in completely different uh, perspective. One of my cl super close friends, his name is Deshaun Amari, like we're investors in his company called Maven. Uh, and, you know, he's revolutionizing hairstylists through technology uh, and, and allowing, you know, anybody to kind of run their own business through, through his e-commerce platform. And, and, and now most recently, uh, you know, he's got a, a financial software that, that's really helping empower, um, you know, one of the largest industries in uh, black America and also all around the country and the world. Everybody has to get their hair done. But who would have thought that that would be, you know, a, a potential multi-billion dollar business. But 
you know, you just have to have uh, an understanding that there's, there's, you have to think outside of, you know, your culture and, and, and what you know, because I think that once we can start doing that, I think that the problems that our companies are going to start solving uh, are going to continue to expand. Uh, and then most, even more specifically, um, the opportunities to bring more people in to, to have unique perspectives uh, and conversations, you know, like one we're having right now, you know, can really help bring the world together. What's the best fundraising advice you've ever received? All given. Whenever you need to follow back up with an investor, don't just ping and say, hey, just checking in. Do you have an update, right? I think it's always great to come back with additional information. You know, hey, just wanted to update you. Since we last caught up, metrics have gone up to the right. We've closed these two partners that were in LOI when we first started talking. We just signed our term sheet. Uh, you know, we still have this little bit of room left. Happy to get you in, but the, the train is moving. Always showing progress and momentum throughout the stage of a fundraise, uh, I think is always something that, you know, regardless of whether or not that person you're trying to get committed uh, is going to invest, what you're doing is that you're just continually reminding yourself that, look, I'm moving forward. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, uh, you have to remember that, you know, you're the catch. Obviously, you know, there's great investors in the world, but, you know, investors are only successful because we have great entrepreneurs. And so as you continue to go about the process, always remember that if it, that you are the reason why uh, venture capital firms or any angel investor is successful. And so, uh, you know, never take anything personal and always make sure that you're coming in with your best foot forward. That's a good way to think about it. Sometimes it feels like there's a power disparity to the uh, investor side. Also identifying with firms that actually go against, that are in line with your target. You know, I, I know so many people that will try and raise, that are raising pre-seed rounds and going to try and talk with VC firms that don't even do pre-seed. And so make sure that you do your diligence on the type of investor. If you're a hardware company trying to raise money from a software firm, like, that's not going to work regardless of how big your, your idea is just simply because VC firms also all have specific theses, investment types, check sizes that they like to write, you know, ownership percentage that they need. And so, you know, the more that entrepreneurs can stay up to speed and understand the, the investor and get the information, which is easily accessible now, um, you know, across so many different platforms and also just the community of just, you know, double checking and seeing what people are interested in, um, you know, also on the blog posts, like hear what people in the VC community are writing about, because that's a very high probability that those are the type of things that they're looking for uh, to invest into. And so, um, you know, that way it just keeps you on your toes and make sure that, you know, you're, you're targeting and working with the right people. All right. Last question. What's a good kind of embarrassing fundraising story you've got? I remember flying across the country uh, for a one-day pitch uh, to go, and it was a, an LP that I really wanted to, uh, you know, have on uh, the cap table. And you know, I was super prepared. We're going to meet at this fancy restaurant, and you know, I'm got my spiel, I got my pitch deck, uh, and I go out there, and you know, I'm early, I'm all prepared, like I'm, you know, I'm hungry. Um, like, all right, we're, we're going to eat this meal. It's going to be good. We sit down. Uh, we talk for literally like 10 minutes. He uh, has one bite of his soup and says, all right, I'm good. 
And uh, thank you very much. I, I, I heard everything. In like 15 minutes, he's like, I got to go. Uh, and I, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, it was so great. And afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, like, what the heck just happened? Like, <laughs> like I just, like, I, like it, are you in? Or are you not in? Like, what's going on? Like, it was the, it was, so for, you know, I'm a Virgo, so I'm, like, very much in my head trying to understand, like, what was going on. Uh, and then, you know, sure enough, he, he was just smarter than me. It's like, I got it, like, that quick. I didn't have to, <laughs> I didn't have to, you know, finish my soup. And so, uh, for me, it was just a funny situation where, you know, I always, was over interpreting and overthinking things. Uh, uh, and especially, you know, it's cause I didn't hear back for a few days. And so I'm like, we, I just flew all the way across the country for a half bowl of soup and I don't know what, if they're going to accept this or not. Uh, but sure enough, you know, that, that kind of always gave me a lesson to, you know, one, never take anything personal, uh, because you never know what's going on in the other person's mind. Uh, and, you know, and also, you know, to always make sure that you're doing your best. And if you do your best, like you can always just put your foot forward and say, look, I gave all, I gave it my all. And, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I'm going to keep rolling one way or another. Uh, I definitely did finish my soup. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, and, you and finish we, your soup as well. Hey, oh, <laughs> you know, hey look, look, look. We, we've had, we've had multiple dinners since then and we finished the whole course and, and he's actually, you know, one of my favorite LPs now. And so, uh, but it was just a, it was a great lesson and also a fun, a funny experience just because when I was early on in the process and, wasn't necessarily sure how the whole LP game it was going to work, but you know, ended up doing it and ended up working out well. And it was it, now I can laugh about it, uh, but back then, you know, when like I felt like the whole world was on my shoulders, I had no idea what was going to happen. That's a great story. All right, Chris, uh, thanks for taking the time to join us uh, for Series T. Uh, really appreciate you kind of going through all these stories and giving us your insight. If someone wants to connect with you, what's the, what's the best way? Yeah, well, if someone wants to connect uh, connect with me, you can always, uh, you know, feel free. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you know, if you're really good at, you know, cold intros, then you can send me an email. And then, like, you know, obviously, you know how to guess the email addresses. So if you get it right, we'll respond. <laughs> so, you know, whatever way you want. All right, cool. Thanks, Chris. Hey, appreciate you, man. Enjoy your tea. <laughs>